0: Log Talk Radio. You might see me moving.
1: Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Help for HD Live. This podcast is made possible by Teva Pharmaceuticals and the Griffin Foundation. I'm your host, Lauren Holder, and today our guests are going to be Dr. Erin Stimming and Dr. Daniel Klaassen. We're going to be talking about Connect HD, uh, but before we get started with that, I just wanted to speak with you guys and let you know that um, I'm really looking for some people in the Huntington community to um, do some specific shows for me, and I really want to highlight our our community and um, really get you guys on air Um, to share your stories. Uh, And I want these stories from everywhere. So, um, you know, we're an international organization. And so I want to hear your stories from, from all over. So if you are interested in getting on the podcast and talking about your story and sharing your experience with HD, whether you're a caregiver, whether you're somebody who has it, or you're um, you know, maybe a, a sibling with somebody uh, who has it and um, uh, who has JHD, uh, I'd like to hear your story and really share those experiences. So um, definitely reach out to me and, um, you know, and let me know your story so we can get you on the air. And now we're going to bring on... Dr. Stimming and Dr. Clausen. Hi, guys, how are you doing?
2: Hi, good, how are you? Good. Hello, Thanks. how are you?
1: Good. So, I'm going to have you guys just inter- introduce yourselves. Uh, Dr. Stimming, if you could go first.
2: Sure, um, my name is Erin First Stimming. I'm a movement disorder neurologist here in Houston at the University of Texas Health Science Center at Houston, McGovern Medical School. Um, And I'm the director of our Huntington's Disease Clinic, which is an HDSA Center of Excellence. Um, And I'm the principal investigator on the Connect HD trial. Great. Great.
0: Good morning. It's uh, Daniel Klaassen. Yes, Daniel Klaassen. I'm a uh, neurologist. I take care of patients with Huntington's Disease at Vanderbilt University Medical Center, which is in Nashville, Tennessee. And our clinic cares for patients kind of in the mid-Tennessee uh, region. I um, am happy to be a co-principal investigator with Erin on this trial and uh, look forward to seeing how this therapy will help patients.
1: And we're very glad to have you on here talking about Connect HD today. And one of the questions I like to ask everybody when they first come on um, our show is, why did you choose to get involved? in HD?
2: Well, um, I'll go first if uh, Dr. Clausen doesn't mind. So um, I was really um, interested in HD academically as a a medical student and a resident and even as a movement disorder fellow. Um, But it really wasn't until I met my first family with HD that I um, decided that I would uh, build a clinic, um, a multidisciplinary clinic with multiple um, uh, team members, uh, because I was so moved by the family that I met and their needs um, as, as, a, as an entire unit. Um, and so I've just – and that's really what's um, kept me going, is just that the individuals that I've met have been just so, so moved by their um, strength, their resilience, and inspired um, by patients. And uh, I think this is a really exciting time um, for our patients and their families with uh, the research that's underway. Um, so it's, it's a, I think, a, a fantastic uh, time to be um, caring for individuals with, with Huntington's disease.
0: Yeah, so I um, got involved in Huntington's disease primarily through my training uh, program. So I did a neurology residency and then decided to do subspecialty training in movement disorders with an emphasis on cognition and and behavior. And so that led me to University of Virginia where I worked with Lynn Harrison, who um, is a very experienced uh, HD provider. She's been doing this for a very, very long time. And so uh, there I was able to work in her... Um, HD Center back I moved to Nashville um, after that training experience and uh, realized the need to uh, create a similar program in, in uh, Nashville. So I was able to, um, through a number of kind of serendipitous uh, opportunities, uh, create a uh, Huntington's program here. And I think, you know, my, I tell this to, many, to a lot of people is that sometimes you don't choose to go into HD, but kind of HD just seems to choose you because you oftentimes, you know, get really um, caught up in the family dynamics. You know, I've been doing this for now about 10 years, and now we start to see children of patients and grandchildren of patients. So it's a very close bond that a clinician has with um, patients. And, um, and families and I think that's really one of the um, more um, kind of uh, strong ties that we have with our patients that keeps us keeps us going uh, in this fight against Huntingtons. Well
1: we're, yeah, certainly, we're glad certainly glad to have amazing. you guys. Yeah I mean we're certainly glad to have you guys with us um, in the HD community and helping us. Um you know, I, I know my neurologist, uh, Dr. Francis Walker, has been amazing and um, so when we have neurologists that are that are with us all the way, it's just so wonderful. Um, so, what is Connect HD?
2: So, a great question. I'm glad you asked. Um, CONNECT-HD is a clinical trial. It's an interventional clinical trial, so different than the uh, observational clinical trials, uh, like Enroll hd where we're um, evaluating patients and collecting data. CONNECT-HD is an interventional clinical trial, meaning we're um, giving patients either a placebo or a study, the, the study drug. Um, so, this is a phase three, um, randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled uh, clinical trial um, to assess the effectiveness and the safety of a, a medication called valbenazine um, to, uh, to assess its effect in, in Huntington's related chorea or the involuntary movements that are, are uh, common in, in patients with Huntington's disease. Um, this is a drug that is already FDA approved. It was FDA approved in uh, April of 2017 for another condition called tardive dyskinesia. And so it's now um, being studied, as I said, for um, uh, Huntington's-related chorea. There are uh, two other medications that have that are FDA approved for Huntington's-related chorea. Uh, those medications are tetrabenazine and deutetrabenazine. And so this is similar to those two medicines, but but a, a different, a little bit different. Um, and so this medication um, is is a medication that's dosed once a day, um, as opposed to uh, the other medications that are dosed, uh, tetrabenazine is dosed three times a day, and do tetrabenazine is dosed twice a day. So um, there are some similarities, and then there are some differences uh, to the already the, the medications that are, are already approved. So this is um, uh, a, a clinical trial that will um, hopefully, hopefully uh, answer the question, you know, is this medicine helpful? Um, will this, this medicine um, be effective in, in treating Huntington's-related chorea, and um, will it be safe and well-tolerated in our patients with Huntington's disease? I can continue to elaborate, or if you want me to pause and ask um, and answer some questions, I'm happy to do that as well.
1: You're welcome to elaborate. Um, certainly, you know, whatever information you can give us, we'll love it.
2: Okay, um, I just don't, well, I have a tendency to ramble aimlessly, so feel free to ask me to pause. Um, so, uh, so we will be, as I mentioned, um, this is a, a, a randomized double-blind trial, so there will be patients that will get the um, placebo, get a, receive a placebo, which is um, uh, not the active study drug, and then there will be patients that receive the study drug. Um, and it's, it's a relatively short trial, um, so there's a screening period that can last up to four weeks, um, just to make sure that um, uh, patients are uh, good candidates for the uh, the study, and then once they enter the study, um, there's a period of uh, where they'll will, where they will receive either the placebo or the study drug. The medicine, the dose will likely be changed, um, uh, and then um, they will there will be a, a, a four week period where the, where they will receive a, a, a steady uh, dose of either the placebo or the study drug. Um, and that will be um, between the, the dose adjustment period and the maintenance period, a, a 12-week period, and then patients will re- return after stopping uh, the, the drug um, for follow-up. Um, uh, and so it's, um, it's, like I said, a, a relatively short trial, um, potentially up to 18 weeks in total, um, including the, the screening period. Um, there will be multiple assessments done um, during each study visit, We will do. We'll obviously do the Unified Huntington's Disease Rating Scale. So we'll assess their movements. We'll objectively measure the severity of the chorea, along with several other uh, clinical assessments. uh, To ask patients how they're feeling and um, and and different questions about their day-to-day, their activities of daily living and and quality of life, um, because we really want to. we, we want to obviously help our patients in decreasing the movements, but we really want to better understand what this means for our patients day-to-day. We don't just want to improve the movements and make ourselves feel better. We want to ensure that, that improving their movements actually translates into making them feel better and making their day-to-day life easier and of better quality.
1: Great. And so could you explain to um, to the community what the importance is of a uh, Placebo group. Because a lot of times I think that tends to be a turnoff for people. Oh, they are not sure they're going to get the actual medication, but it's really important to have that placebo group. So could you explain why?
2: Absolutely. Dr. Clawson, do you want to answer? Yeah. Sure. I hate you all the
1: talking.
0: So, uh, uh, no, you're doing Yeah, you know, I like listening to your talk, Aaron. You're doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so. Uh, the placebo group is is important because um, you know there it's really hard to assess the the effect of the therapy unless you compare it to um, a patient who's uh, similar in terms of their clinical symptoms um, and you know there's always these there's always fluctuations in, in symptoms and so you got to have a placebo group to really um, anchor your assessment of whether or not there is clinical efficacy. I think the other, just to add to what Aaron said, I think, you know, I think this is now the third um, type of medication that's been tried for chorea and Huntington's disease. The first was tetrabenazine, the second was do and now this is the third one. And I think what I think our, the, these trials have changed over the over the, over the years in terms of how they're designed and, and what the primary endpoints are. And certain things haven't tried uh, haven't changed. But this, in this case, the, there is um, some novelty to this trial where we're, for the first time, looking at how we can quantitate Korea using what's called a wearable sensor. And so this is where mm. a patient will actually put um, a sensor on their limbs and we'll be able to collect data for how the korea is just at home or at, um, not in the clinic. And if you think about it, you know, conventionally we we assess patients um, using, you know, the, the korea scale that was developed by the Huntington Study Group. and That's really a short window in the life of a patient. So, you know, it's a 10-minute window. And, and in the course of a long time, you know, they may see... Medication changes and affecting Korea. So I think what's really interesting about this is when you think about where we've come from clinical trials all the way back from the Tetra HD study uh, to the first HD study and now to the Connect HD study. Uh, you can see how the uh, assessment of clinical symptoms uh, has evolved. And so one of the one of the parts of this trial that I'm I'm, a, I'm very enthusiastic about. Uh, looking at is can we assess a patient's clinical symptoms outside the clinic? And can we furthermore determine the clinical efficacy of a patient's symptoms without having to rely on inpatient or in face to face assessments? And so I think that's one area of this trial that's particularly innovative and I think will help the field move forward into uh, understanding clinical efficacy outside of uh, assessments that may be subject to um, uh, greater bias and things like that.
1: That's very exciting and very good to hear and um, to be able to assess side and do a sensor. So is the sensor, you said on? it will be on a limb, um, like you'll wear it, somebody will wear it on their leg or arm, um, just at all times.
0: Um, uh, yeah, I'll take I'll take this one. So essentially, um, these are sensors that are kind of like stick-on sensors that one would put on their um, arm and leg. And they would recharge them uh, every morning for an hour and then put them back on, kind of like sticky, um, like, like pieces of tape, so to speak. Uh, and so the person would put them on so they're not very they're not very bulky they don't really cause a lot of um, you know discomfort or or uh, you no one can really see them on you if you put your clothes, you know if you have a shirt on or trousers on so i think um they're 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 designed to be kind of uh, uh, inconspicuous and um the person would wear them um, for uh, a week and and we would we would collect kind of data on how the person's walking, how much movement there is, um, how much activity a person has, and with the uh, idea that we'd be able to link kind of clinical changes uh, in, in response to the therapy uh, to um, some quantitative markers uh, that, is, that are generated from this technology.
1: Wow, that's great. That's very exciting.
2: Yeah, I think, I, so, and as Daniel mentioned, I think it, we we are really excited because this is unique to our trial, and it really will hopefully help us get you know additional information about you know kind of. Real, real-world information, if you will, as to what's happening behind the scenes when patients are at home, because we know that um, that when when we're seeing them in clinic, we're we're only with them for a relatively short period of time, and and it's not really the same as as their environment at home. And so, so we're we're optimistic that this will give us additional information that will help us treat our patients moving forward.
1: Now, are you planning on having like a a journal as well, like have the caregiver journal anything um, to kind of go along with that sensor um, so you can know what's going on.
2: Well, well, we will be collecting information from our, our patients and their, their caregivers. Um, and uh, when, when they come into clinic uh, and see us um, after they've worn the sensor, um, so we, we will be collecting information from them, but we won't actually ask them to fill out a, a diary per se. Uh, but we definitely will be asking them multiple questions and, and, um, and collecting uh, lots, of, lots of data.
1: Okay. So who are you looking to participate in Connect HD?
2: Yeah, great question. Um, so we are uh, looking for individuals ages 18 to 75 years of age um, that have a diagnosis of um, motor manifest Huntington's disease. So um, these are patients that do have mo- you know obvious motor symptoms that are consistent with Huntington's disease, with of course the most common movement being Korean and voluntary movement. Um, flowing from you know, one body part to the next, and so we're looking at patients that actually have some motor symptoms consistent with HD, um, and uh, but but looking at patients that are are, are fairly independent that um, but have chorea that really is is um, it bothersome or troublesome uh, that would warrant uh, a potential medication to, to treat the the chorea, uh, and so we are hoping that we can that that. Individuals that are interested, that have Huntington's, or if they have a, caregiver, a, a care partner with Huntington's disease, um, would would um, reach out to a, a clinic near them to um, uh, potentially um, learn more and even better participate in this in this trial.
1: So they would reach out to their in order to get information. They would reach out to the, you know their local neurologist, or would they be able to go on to um, a a site and find locations? Because I'm assuming it's not going to be at every uh, center of excellence.
2: That's correct. Um, So probably the best uh, mechanism for actually – identifying a center uh, near near them would be they certainly can reach out to their their local neurologist um they uh can clinicaltrials.gov is a great uh resource uh for for patients and their families that has a a list an up to date list of sites that are participating in the in, in uh, that have the clinical trial at their site um and uh and so they can uh reach out um uh also to um uh the trial finder on h d s the h d s a website um to find a clinic uh near them uh where they can uh hopefully participate if they're interested okay, great
1: and I will list those on our show page uh so they will have easy access to them uh so that will be that will be really nice. Before I let you guys go, do you have any final thoughts about um, Connect HD and what you need from the HD community and what we can do?
2: Well, uh, I I will say, as I mentioned earlier, I really I've been so incredibly moved by the families that I've met over the years uh, with that have been affected uh, in some way by Huntington's disease, and I've just I. I have been so so impressed with the willingness to participate in these trials. The patients and their families are so brave uh, because it's, it's scary to participate in a trial, even if it's an observational trial. You're We're collecting information about you. It may require a, a blood draw or something that's not terribly enjoyable. Um, and so I'd just like to say thank you to patients and their families that have participated in previous clinical trials um, or, or even inquired or that you're even just listening to this today because this is how we make make a difference moving forward is um, through, through clinical research. Um, and And so I'd just like to say thank you and um, please reach out if you are interested in participating. Um, And we we look forward to um, continuing to to better understand Huntington's disease and, more importantly, to better and more effectively treat our patients and their families with Huntington's
0: disease. Yeah, the only only thing I'd add to that would be you know, the, the ideal candidate for this trial is someone who who really um, has new symptoms, like new motor symptoms, and hasn't really received much therapy for it. So, if you're a patient that along the journey of Huntington's has been told that you may have chorea, but you haven't really gotten any medications for it yet, this is a trial for you. Um, I will say the patients that enroll in clinical trials, at least in our center, are often tell us that they enjoy the kind of close contact that they get with the, with the clinician and the team, we'll see you quite often. We'll see you much more often than if you went to, say, a, you know, regular clinic visit. We see you, like, say, every three months or so. We'll see you a lot more often. And so if you're a patient that's, that's been told you have Korea and you're, you're thinking about starting a medication, reaching out to one of the sites and, and getting uh, set up uh, to participate in this trial, It'd be a great great opportunity for you um, as you go through the journey of, of Huntington's disease and the, and the Huntington's disease um, symptoms uh, that you have.
1: Absolutely, and I think really, that's a really great point um, that you make. As somebody who has participated in observational studies and the clinical trial, um, you know I certainly loved going to my visits. It's hard, you know, some of our visits, they take hours and it can be exhausting sometimes, but it's also very rewarding. Um, it's very rewarding to feel like you're, you're helping to make this, uh, this treatment available and safe. And, um, and for especially for somebody who, um, you know, for my father who is symptomatic, Um, you know, it it gives, it gives some type of purpose, uh, you know, because we feel like we're helping. So, um, so definitely bringing that up and not only that, but, um, like you said, you're dealing with, with more visits and so if something else is going on, um, the, the faculty or the um, the doctors tend to notice and you can talk to them about it and it's really nice. I really got very close to um, my neurologist and um, his staff because of the studies and it, it's just great because um, you just feel like they're really in this with you and those studies really help with that. Uh, they're there 100% of the time. It's just, it's really good feeling to do. You know, even, even on the hardest days when you're just so exhausted from a study, because, I, I mean, I've been through a long studies before, and they can be exhausting. But at the end of the day, it's very rewarding.
2: Yeah, I'm so glad to hear you say that, and, and I would absolutely agree. We've heard uh, similar um, comments from our, from our patients and their families. It's, it's a lot of work. Um, but it's it's great because we all get to we get to spend a lot of time together and uh, see our patients more frequently than we would otherwise. And um, and we're all we're all in this fight together. And so this just gets us hopefully one step closer to more effective uh, therapies for our patients.
1: And I think one thing that I could say if you're if you're going to participate in um, in the trial. Uh, and you are worried about it being exhausting um, and worried about it just kind of being overwhelming, just prepare mentally before you go in. Make sure that you've got the date on on your calendar. You're preparing mentally for that day. And take, you know, it's okay to tell staff that you need a break for a few minutes and kind of recharge while you're there. Don't feel that, that you know, because I know a lot of times it's overwhelming with questions so don't be afraid to talk to staff and say, look, I just need to take a break for a minute. Um, you know, a lot of times they'll give you a drink and just kind of let you recharge for a few minutes. So that's okay. I know for me, I feel like, okay, we've got to, we've got to be on top of it. It's it's not always that way. It's, all, it's okay. Cause the visits are, are tend to be long. So um, with a lot of questions and also, don't feel that um, you have to have perfect answers. <laughs> I know when I first did my first study, uh, that was something that I experienced is, oh, I've got to have the perfect answers. No, you've got to be truthful, and that's, that's just part of it. So um, whatever you're experiencing, make sure to share uh, and be as, as truthful as possible, and it doesn't have to be perfect.
2: I couldn't agree more. Thank you for saying that, Katie.
1: Absolutely. Well, Dr. Simming, Dr. Clausen, I'm very glad that you came on the show and shared about Connect HD. We're looking forward to it. I'm definitely looking forward to the the additional um, information with the sensor. So uh, definitely keep us up to date. And um, thank you again for coming on.
2: Thank you so much for inviting us. We really appreciate it.
0: Thanks very much. Have a good day.
1: Absolutely. Have a good day.
0: Okay, Bye. thank you.